Welcome back to The Real News Network. I'm Paul Jay, and this is Reality Asserts Itself with Heiner Flesbeck. He joins us again in the studio. Thanks for joining us. Heiner worked at UNCTAD since 2000. At, from 2003 to 2012, he was the Director of Division on Globalization and Development Strategies. Since January 2013, he's now the Director of Flashback Economics, a consultancy for global macroeconomic questions. And from 1988 to 98, he worked at the German Institute for Economic Research. And from 98 to 99, at the Federal Ministry of Finance in Bonn, where he was a vice minister for responsible for international affairs, the EU and the IMF. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So we're continuing our discussion about whether or not there's any rationality or reasonableness left in capitalism. Uh, you've used the phrase several times in the earlier segments, if there were any reasonable capitalists, they would. Yeah. And I'm questioning whether there are such things, but let's let's dig in further to the crisis and and and, and un, un, unpack it a little bit. In an interview in 2008, you were asked whether you were surprised by the crisis, and you said you were not surprised by a crisis. You were surprised how intense it was, but you also said you were surprised that the American dollar uh, you were expecting in the crisis the American dollar would go down. Uh, significantly, and in fact, it not only didn't go down, it went up. Everybody started buying American T-bills. Um, so, uh, you know, there's been prediction after prediction of the collapse of the American dollar, and the American dollar isn't going to be the reserve system anymore. And, you know, year, I remember from 08, there was this really out there prediction there. There was something, they were going to call it the Amero or something, that the whole American currency was going to collapse. I mean, none of that's happened. The opposite happened. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and so far I was wrong. Uh, but uh, the point is what I didn't uh, expect is the weakness of Europe. Well, I predicted that something like the crisis would happen in Europe uh, because the reason for the crisis I let down in the beginning of the, the, the currency union in 99 already. Uh, but nevertheless, it was not clear in 2008 that Europe would uh, fall into such a, a deep hole and, and this is the most important thing, and this explains the weakness uh, of the euro uh, compared to the dollar, that European politics would be so weak and European politics would misunderstand the crisis, would mishandle the crisis, would mismanage the crisis in a way uh, as it has happened with austerity in the midst of a recession and things like that. Uh, so that was, that was clearly uh, beyond my imagination. I couldn't imagine that something like that would happen, that the German finance minister would say in the middle of the crisis, we need austerity, everybody needs austerity. This is really absurd. Uh, and, uh, but what we see now is that uh, a certain weakness of the dollar. Uh, but it will, you're right, it will never be so strong that uh, the dollar will fall to, to levels that are uh, no, no longer acceptable politically. And if it would, then there would be intervention by the central banks. We have seen it when the uh, euro once touched 160 or so, then uh, there was really intervention, verbal intervention first, and then uh, physical intervention, so to say, later on. Uh, so for the, for the world currencies, uh, the, the, the scenario cannot be such that there are big movements. And even if there are sometimes irrational and big movements, then the central banks will step in. We have seen it with the Swiss franc. Swiss franc was rising, rising, rising against the euro and the dollar. And then the Swiss central bank at a certain point stopped it uh, just by intervening. And by intervening up to today, it's now more than two years that they keep 
the Swiss franc uh, at a rate of 120 to the euro. So uh, there, in the, among the big currencies, the, these things do not happen anymore in a way that uh, they would have happened, say, in the 80s. They still happened like that. Uh, what we have seen, nevertheless, is we have seen huge movements in currencies that are absolutely irrational, uh, namely in emerging markets. If you look at the BRICS countries, Brazil, South Africa, Russia even, uh, and uh, India, we have seen uh, perverse movements uh, of capital flowing into these countries, uh, appreciating the currency, the so-called carry trades where people are this is a, where people can get money, bank, big people, banks get money from the Fed yeah, practically zero, yeah, yeah. and then can and loan it at four or five. Exactly. In Turkey or, right now, you can get 12% yeah, percent percent, percent, that 12 percent uh, yeah. in an emerging economy, which is absolutely absurd because uh, the losses are in the countries that are receiving the money, so to say. You're, you're getting a lot of capital, but you pay for that at a very high price because uh, nobody can earn this. But is this uh, isn't interest. this part of the reason that in, in times of crisis, money heads to the American dollar. That's right. Just finish that, the point is that, that over the de last few decades, you know, the United States always finds a way to shift the crisis somewhere else. And, and, and you know, whether it's shifting it into Latin America with these, you know, giving these loans that were floating in the 70s that then mm -hmm. went into crazy 20% interest yeah. rates. And, but one way or the other, you know, the, is, is not, are not all the economies now, or most of the economies in the world, they're in that American basket, and, and this global capitalism is managed by the United States, and they have to buy into it. And I, I know there's talk about other kinds of currencies, and you know the Chinese trading with Latin America and using their own currencies, and there's little bits of that. Yeah. But the system seems so now dependent on American management that there just isn't another basket. Yeah, but you see, the the silly point, uh, so to say, the silly point that I have to make is that the. American management of the crisis was much better than European management. So this was the, the But it's also e point. easier for them to do, too, uh, given that's well, their, their it's, currency. It's, it's a bit, well, no, Europe could do the same kind of policy. So Euro is, yeah, uh, or has Euro. been a strong pol uh, currency, uh, despite uh, it was not uh, uh, really competing the dollar in terms of reserve currency, but it was strong enough to do uh, autonomous policy in Europe. And in fact, but, the Fed helped European but, banks. Yeah, but uh, for a time and... Uh, but um, the the management, the overall management of the U.S. W was superior to the to the Euro management. That's absolutely sure because, well, uh, Europe, uh, uh, it's difficult to find decisions for uh, among 20, 28 countries and things like that. And the German leadership was not very good, and so on. So but there were many reasons for that. Uh, but it was, it was was not a natural thing, from in my view. In my view, it was not a natural thing in two thousand eight, with the crisis originating in the United States with most of the trouble originating here in this country and not in Europe or elsewhere or in emerging markets, uh, it was not natural that uh, the United States would, so to say, uh, be able to, to distribute part of the burden uh, to the rest of the world. Uh, but the management was, was quite good despite all the criticism. They had a huge program to stabilize the economy in the first round. And the Fed was uh, incredibly uh, pragmatic in overcoming all the dogmas of monetarism and things like that and going into uh, the fight against deflation, which was, uh, which was in the end, well, not successful in, 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 in the way that I would say uh, you're back on a sustainable growth path. That is not the, 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 the point, but at least in uh, avoiding a further, a further slowdown and avoiding a big slump and a, avoiding a, a depression. And so, so the Fed has been what they call quantitative easing, mm -hmm. shoveling you know, trillions of dollars into the banks and making them look solvent and giving them practically free money. 
Um, and, and although I don't think anywhere near as much got invested into the real no. economy as, as supposedly was the objective here, it did seem to create a kind of bottom on the fall yeah. in the recession. It did, you know, the Great Recession didn't become the Great Depression, as right. people say. But how long can that mechanism work? I mean, they're, they're essentially creating money yeah. and, 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 and making the banks look way more solvent than they really are, according to most yeah. people. But how long does this mechanism keep working? Well, it can, it, it, you see it, you can see it in the stock markets. What, what the main effect that uh, the Fed did was a bit in the housing market in the United States to stabilize the housing markets because people are buying uh, houses again and uh, because mortgages are, are really cheap. Uh, but the, the major effect was, so to say, a wealth effect, creating wealth, uh, perceived wealth, uh, in in the uh, in, in equities, uh, the stock so market bubble. The stock market bubble, and uh, this stock market bubble is the big burden, so to say, uh, for uh, the, this whole kind of policies. If if it is going to burst, and it can burst every moment, so to say, because everybody uh, knows that it is a bubble and that uh, there is no real uh, growth behind it. Uh, if that is going to happen. Uh, then we are really in trouble because then it will be much. Then, then the whole effect, so to say, will disappear in in one moment. The whole effect of the stabilization, and then the question comes again. So, what is really stabilizing uh, these economies? And then I have to come back to my to my point, namely to say uh, you need you need uh, incomes policy. You need uh, wage stabilization. You cannot go on with this imbalance in the in the labor market. Because, and we're going to dig if, into that yeah, more. Yeah. But just just to get this one point yeah. nailed. Because if, if the market does crash and people don't believe this bubble any yeah. longer, the Fed's kind of out of tools. I mean, they've already got yeah. interest rates at historic. No, how much lower can interest rates no, go? No, then it's over. Then it's over. They cannot do uh, any more. That, that was the last, the last uh, instrument, so to say, the last weapon that they had, the last shot that they have is to, to create wealth, perceived wealth. Uh, and and in, in, in the hope that the people who own the equities feel richer, uh, and feeling richer would uh, uh, incentivize them to, to spend more. Uh, but, well, we, we know the rich people are not uh, the main spenders in the economy, but uh, the mass of the people has to spend. And so it has very limited effect at this moment of time. The only thing that it has done is people have reduced a bit their savings ratio. Income uh, growth has not, uh, is not back on, on a growth trajectory. Uh, so uh, there, there is really... A, in my opinion, we, we're still on, on, a, on a stagnative mode. Uh, we have well, we have a little bit of growth, which is uh, which is not uh, which is not self-sustaining, uh, which is not uh, automatically uh, coming coming into quarter-to-quarter -quarter, uh, increases. Uh, we we have kind of stagnation still, uh, even in the United States. So, if this is kind of smoke and mirrors. Um, China looks at this, India looks at this, I mean, all the countries of the world look at this. Uh, why, why isn't there a more serious attempt to get off the U.S. dollar as the reserve system and create something else? If, if everyone, I mean, wouldn't all these places think that this crash is coming sooner than later and they're looking at this American stock market bubble and such? Yeah, but you see, uh, if Europe was a chance to, to overcome this kind of thinking in, in, in national compartments, so to say. Uh, but, but with the failure of Europe, uh, the, the developing countries look at Latin America. There were attempts to think about monetary coordination. In Asia, they were starting to think about monetary co uh, coordination, thinking about an Asian uh, monetary fund and things like that. This all is gone. 
because the failure of Europe. I think this is the, if, if you don't have that model anymore, if, if it's shown that this model does not work politically uh, for, in my view, purely political reasons, uh, it does not work, uh, why, then how, how could you convince people in Latin America, very diverse uh, governments to come together and, and talk about monetary coordination? I've been working on that. I've uh, done a report on monetary coordination in Latin America, but it all failed uh, in the end. Nothing. Nothing came. You, you about. couldn't find your reasonable capitalists. No, not, uh, not, not, not even not even reasonable politicians. That is that is sometimes right? we, we, for that you need politicians who are reasonable and sit together and really discuss seriously uh, a kind of coordination of monetary policies. But that's very difficult. No, they don't. Okay. In the next segment of our interview, we're going to dig more into this issue of the need for higher wages and the relationship of wages to the crisis. So please join us on Reality Asserts Itself on the Real News ne Network with Heiner Flesbeck. Mm -hmm.